listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? All is well, all is well. And I'm excited for today to give our listeners a bit of a voice behind the voice, I guess. If it yeah, it because the person who has been introducing this show since we started a uh, hundred and some odd episodes ago is finally joining us as a guest. Hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, the first uh, female modern rock DJ in Canada, I believe. <laughs> or something like that. Making, and, me, making me sound and, way more important than I am. Hey, look, uh, look uh, well, I'm, if I were the first modern rock DJ of any G7 country, I would talk about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's accurate. But I mean, more importantly, is she's probably also the biggest fan of Animorphs in the history of the world. <laughs> and certainly the biggest one we've had on the show. Yeah, and, and probably the only one who works for Kula. Yeah, and I really, to be honest, don't even know what Animorphs is. I don't know, yeah. but she, she posts a lot about it. I believe Instagram. there's a book or something. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I thought it was a TV show, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but, all there right, are, there so. are 64 books, 62 are canon, two are non-canon. There you go. Well, all right. Um, see, I own none. This is a little bit of the value that you get as a listener of the Cooler Ring <laughs> podcast. Some marketing advice and mm -hmm. uh, pop culture references a go-go. Yeah. Um, so today, without further ado. Joining us is Floyd Blakey, and Floyd is a senior strategist here at Cooler Partners. Welcome to the show, Floyd. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I was the first female modern rock morning show anchor in Canada. Not not the first female DJ, there were many before me, but the first to anchor a uh, modern rock morning show. It was a fun see, time. See, now you had to go and bring PR into it and be accurate. <laughs> we were just being nice and marketing you there for a minute, <laughs> just kind of selling it. But yeah. Yeah. Side note, Floyd interviewed me long before we interviewed her. Ah, it's true, yeah. yeah. On yeah. her radio show. Really? And she yeah. still uh, decided to come over? I know, I don't get it either. Hmm. Mm. Surprising. Yeah. I, had no, I had no idea. What was it about? Saving the Oval. Uh, yeah. For those who are not uh, based in Halifax, uh, we won't bother telling you what the Oval was or why it was looking to be saved. <laughs> it's far too long of a it's story. It's a speed skating ring. It's great. It's in no. the middle so, of the So we will tell you, you apparently. We will tell you. <laughs> all right. Context is useful. <laughs> all right. Um, now that we've got all of that out of the way, mm. uh, Floyd, it is great to have you on the show. And I'm really excited for today's uh, show. I think we're going to kind of um, unpack some answers to uh, a pretty big question that uh, a lot of folks have around getting started with ABM and resourcing it in year one. But before we get into that, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about you beyond the Animorphs and the uh, morning show gig? Uh, yeah, I didn't come here uh, planning to talk about Animorphs. I get all of that out guesting on a different podcast, so you don't have to worry about that. Um. I, as you uh, alluded to, uh, I came uh, to marketing from broadcast. So I actually um, spent six to eight years, depending on how you count it, uh, working in broadcast radio. Uh, as you may imagine, especially if you are here listening to a podcast, terrestrial radio, not the most uh, stable of employment options. Um <laughs> There's just a, there's an awful lot of competing content out there. Budgets are shrinking all the time. So I found myself unceremoniously booted 
wondering what to do and decided that, well, the one transferable skill I think I have is making people care about stuff. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out <laughs> if I'm good at that all of the time, but uh, I think that it, it worked out fairly well because I slid into your Twitter DMs and now here I am. <laughs> well, uh, I can uh, I can certainly say with a good degree of confidence that you've uh, you've figured it out. Uh, Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's um, cool. Well, look, um, today's topic: resourcing ABM, ABM in year one, getting started with ABM, whatever we want to say. We know that um, you know we've we've talked about account based marketing a number of times on the show. Certainly, the people that are listening to the show it's not the first time they've heard of it. Um, many people are curious and wanting to get started. And um, uh, Floyd has helped a number of our clients here at Kula uh, get started with ABM. And um, I'm, I'm really just kind of uh, wanting to jump into that, Floyd. What um, I guess when you think about that uh, getting started, what are some of the most common kind of pitfalls that you see or missteps in the early days? So a lot of people will equate starting an ABM program with investing in an ABM platform. And although that kind of investment might be a really key piece of getting your program up and running, it's certainly not the only part. Uh, and I see a lot of people make big investments in ABM technology up front, uh, and then they're really eager to get started using it, start proving ROI. So they just want to jump right in and start serving campaigns um, to, to people in their their target account list. And I, I love the enthusiasm <laughs> and I love the energy. Um, but there are, are a number a number of foundational pieces that you really need to get in place first. And that's something that you can do while you're onboarding onto a platform. You may discover you you don't need to spend you know a ton of money uh, on an ABM platform. It's it's really getting the understanding of your total addressable market, of your uh, ideal customer profile, and of the buying process that your salespeople typically encounter, you got to get that nailed down first. Um, and then once you figure that out, the goals that you set around an ABM program are going to determine what kind of technology investment you might need to, to make and, and where you're going to go first. So I think it's it's having those conversations with um, with your sales team really early, especially if in the past marketing and sales haven't typically enjoyed a very tight alignment. Um, I see you know some marketing teams get really excited about ABM. They hear about how effective it is, how great it is. It can bring around sales and marketing alignment. Everything's going to be great, and they think that the act of doing ABM will create the alignment. And uh, their hope is that they can start generating some wins to bring sales on board. And that could work, I guess, sometimes, but um, you really need that buy-in from the sales team first to be able to get all those foundational pieces in place. Uh, you need to have a, a wide organizational understanding of kind of what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be doing it and what's going to happen once you start doing it. And until you get all of that sorted out, um, you know, just jumping onto a platform and, and trying to dive in is not going to be super effective. I think that's an interesting point around. Um, well, yeah, we raised a number of interesting points there, but specifically around uh, kind of this notion that I, I'm going to start serving up some uh, account-based advertising, 
and um, somehow it's just going like the leads are just going to start knocking it out of the park and, and I, that they'll be better quality yeah and, and the salespeople will go from not taking my phone calls to buying me vacation property because they're so happy and we shall live happily ever after mm -hmm. and it's like you know and it's just not reality that that's going to necessarily happen that fast or that even if you started generating that level of results that sales is even maybe going to give you credit for it anyway and i think it's good to suggest you know try to get that synchronization built up and that cooperation built up beforehand don't mm. uh, don't depend on the the platform to drive the synchronization it's the people that do that's exactly right and i see uh, a lot of marketers especially those coming from the world of inbound marketing make the same mistake which is and it's it's very common and 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 you know in some approaches i think i've made this mistake in in earlier days is thinking of an ABM platform is basically just a nice uh, DSP with more targeting parameters. So now I'm going to serve up ads only to these accounts, but I'm still going to serve up my awareness ads and then my consideration ads and then my decision ads, and then they're going to convert and I'm going to send them off to sales and then I'm done with it and sales is going to get great leads. It's just taking inbound and trying to shove it into a platform. You might as well be using Google Display Network at that point, right? It's a, it's, it's a lot more than just spinning up ads and putting them in front of people and and hoping that the rest of it kind of falls in place. Yeah, um, this notion that it's more than ads, um, I want to kind of challenge you on the on the point to in, in some way of, uh, of 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 getting the strategy first and then selecting the platform. And the challenge is is that. You know, there seems like there's an awful lot of difference amongst the platforms still. There's not a lot of samesies. So <laughs> in some ways, depending on the platform choice, you kind of have some different tools in your bag. Um, you could go about your executing your strategy in very different ways, depending on which tool you're using. Yeah. Now, I suppose in some ways you create the strategy, you're going to find, okay, well, I think, you know, uh, internal e corporate email uh, advertising, as an example, is going to be very, banner advertising under the signature is going to be very important. And therefore, I'm going to select this tool or that tool because I know it does it better. So maybe I'm answering my own question. But I guess, Floyd, do you find, um, you do get into a bit of that chicken or egg uh, scenario where it's, you know, are you imagining the functionality through the lens of the tool or are you imagining what you want and then picking the right tool, you know? Yeah, I think there's a, it, it definitely is a, a tough call which way to go first because you don't know all of the different functionality that's out there until you start investigating and diving in. There's so many of them and they're so feature rich that you can't assess every one of them in detail. And then when you get in there, they do a lot of different things. Um, I think that the the parts of your strategy that you can set before you uh, decide on a platform are going to be really based on kind of where are you today and where do you want to be two or three or five years down the road. So what is your sales process today? And how can you start just iterating toward that ideal future state? Because one thing you also can't do is call your sales team in for a meeting and say, we're changing everything about how you work and we're changing it on Monday. Let's go. Um, that's that's going to be very difficult. Uh, people aren't going to do that and it's probably a terrible idea. So I think that um, figuring out kind of 
where the levers are that you can pull right now is going to go a long way toward helping you decide which platform uh, to take. What kind of industry you're in is is important too. I mean, there are there are platforms out there that can give you very detailed technographics uh, of your target accounts. If that's important to you, then that's something that you might want to look for. And that's something that you might want to use as um, a basis to launch campaigns. If you see that someone on your target account list uses technology X and Z, and you know that works really well with what you are offering, uh, then that might be the basis on which you run a campaign. That's all going to be very platform dependent. Um, but kind of how you approach the overall ABM program, how are salespeople going to interact with uh, the data that you're sending them? Um, at what point do you consider somebody a marketing qualified account? And then what happens? It's it's the ABM platform is going to be an important piece of that, but it's just going to be a piece. So getting the rest of that structure built out first, I think is really important before you dive into what exactly are we going to do at every stage of this journey? Um, and, and how are we going to orchestrate it? I think too, I mean, you know, one of the more important features that can certainly play into your selection of a platform, you know, before you even get there is just, you know, how are you thinking about intent? Like, it, it seems to me that that is generally one of the bigger things to consider, you know, when you're looking at a platform, it, not just its advertising capabilities or its targeting capabilities or personalization capabilities, which we'll get into, I'm sure, in a bit. But, you know, how do you how do you know whether or not the accounts that you're targeting are actually looking for you and the thing you want and have intent to buy? Yeah. And are your initial assumptions about intent right, too? I mean, I've seen a lot of <laughs> I've seen I've seen a lot of uh, scenarios in which we've uh, a client and I have worked together to narrow down a list of topics that we think this really shows that they are ready to buy what we're selling. And then after the uh, the campaign makes contact with the market and, and you see kind of how people are responding to it, you find out, oh, this thing that I thought was a really great indicator means they've already bought it from somebody else. <laughs> so we're a little bit late. Um, so if you're thinking about how you're going to use intent, I think that um, uh, you shouldn't hang your hat on intent entirely in in uh, your first year of ABM. Uh, it's more of a, a learning process. I think it's really powerful too to put out um, like a full funnel campaign and then try to map where those intent spikes are happening throughout it and actually learn more from the intent data rather than use it to take action. You know, and all of this really reinforces your guidance around this notion of looking two, three, five years out of where you want to go and where you're looking to to, to, to basically iterate towards and what you're trying to iterate to. Yeah. Knowing full well you're not going to get it right the yeah. first three months. Yeah, and it's a fool's errand to try, yeah. really. And that year one, um, you know, perfection shouldn't be the destination, mm -hmm. should it? Um, and, and it's interesting, too, because, of course, the platforms are um, um, uh, evolving so fast that you might look at a two, three, five-year maturity model for ABM in your organization and... Frankly, you may switch platforms a few times throughout that. Yeah, knowing full well that you're going to want to take advantage of different features later on. Potentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I've I've certainly seen that happen. Um, as you learn kind of what's working best, you may decide you want to um, switch up the technology to to be able to use something that allows you to to push the buttons that you know generate the best results. Um, and I think that starting really small and focused using just a kind of a, a core segment of, of functionality is really important too. 
um, and not getting too caught up in how many bells and whistles are there. What are all the different things that I could do? Because then you're really scattering your focus and, and you're not going to really get enough data to figure out if, if this functionality is helpful to your overall strategy. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. There's this notion, I think, so let's just fast forward and imagine that people have, um, uh, maybe they just ignored the advice and they haven't uh, thought about their strategy and their model first and they've rushed ahead and they've bought the platform, which is very common. Um, and then it often becomes a, an exercise of getting use out of the tool versus getting value out of it. Hmm. Um, we, we've spent all this money. We've got to do something. We must use the tool. Yeah. And, 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 and that seems very logical. But the trouble is, is that that marketer who's put their neck on the line for this pilot is now running a very substandard pilot, aren't they? Yeah, that that can certainly happen. And I think um, some people will get stuck in the idea that to use the ABM platform, you've got to be serving the ads. And that's, that's just going back to that kind of mis, um, misconception that the ABM platform equals a way to serve ads. Um, I've seen clients who, you know, they they're just not ready to run a campaign in the first 90 days of having the platform. And that's okay. But what you can do is identify some quick wins um, based on other features that are, are available. Can you start sending automated alerts to salespeople when your target accounts start visiting your site with almost every platform? Yes, you can. Can you start sending intent reports to the same salespeople so that they can uh, use that to augment the outreach that they're already doing in most cases? Y yes, you absolutely can. Um, there's a lot that you can do that's, that's not serving ads. Uh, and there's there's a lot of value that you can get out of a platform while you're really putting in the prep work to make sure that you're doing the right thing when you when you first start uh, serving campaigns. I love that. Hmm. I mean, it, it's and and I think one of the things, and we don't, you know, we certainly we're not recording this episode to beat up on the uh, on the ABM tool providers at all, <laughs> but uh, that approach differs a bit from the onboarding process that most ABM platforms mm -hmm. think should be taken in order to get a client up and running. Like they really are in a lot of ways trying to push towards ad spend. Yes. Yeah. There's a, there's usually a lot of pressure to put something out fairly quickly. And I think there's, you know, there's two reasons for that. They want to immediately start proving the value of the tool and they want, they just want you to be able to do it because, you know, building up that, that skill set is very important to keep, seeing value from the tool. So I think that some of the tools make a commission on the media buy too. So there's, a, there's, there's a few motivations. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. It, they're, they're always going to push you to be a, a spending money on media buy. Um, I think that it's, it's possible to run a useful campaign as you're onboarding. If you're looking at a four to six week onboarding period and you've done the foundational work before you sign your contract, um, you can you can certainly run a very focused pilot campaign and you can benefit from having some really close oversight from the experts um, who are onboarding you at that time as well. So I usually recommend 
starting with um, active opportunities. It's really close to the money. These people are already engaged with you. They're already expecting to hear from you. And uh, it's it's not going to be uh, a case that you have to really dig deep to figure out what the messaging should be. This is somewhere that you can go to your sales team and say, I see you have these five active opportunities. What do they care about? What's important to them right now? You've already been talking to them for however long the sales cycle is, probably quite a long time. So you already know what it is that they need to hear right now. How can we support you in that? And then you can get an active opportunity campaign rolled out within your first you know, four or five weeks. And you can probably see some good results from that early on. It's when people start pushing out ads for you know every single webinar they're running, every single kind of awareness offer, uh, and they try to get it all out at once. And the stuff is is kind of not really focused and 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 not helping out sales in those early days. Uh, that's where I see a lot of people fall down and, and just get overwhelmed with with how much they're trying to do versus how much is uh, actually proving results for them. And it's really out of step with a buying journey in that case too, right? It's really a spray and pray situation. Um, it doesn't get you to a point that's much better than just using Google Display. As <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I kind of want to dig in, and I know we don't, Jeff said we don't want to beat up the ABM platform providers, and that's fine. I'll agree with him on that. But, <laughs> um, you know, there there is a push to spend um, more money rather than less on, on, on media. And um, I almost liken it a bit, and, and look, I guess to the listeners, this uh, in no way am I trying to convince you in any way on Kula's methodology. I'm just saying what it is. Um, um, you, know, you can agree with me or, or, or disagree, it doesn't much matter. But the thing I've always found odd is when agencies charge uh, a 15 or 20% fee on a PPC ad spend. <laughs> because if you're managing pay-per-click correctly, you're, you're really trying to drive, especially in a B2B context, you're really trying to drive down that average cost per lead. Um, and it runs completely counter to the motivation of a media agency making a percentage commission. Um, and I feel like that kind of is similarly at play here. Um, that with, with, you know, you have the ABM platforms pushing in one direction, but Floyd's saying, look, if you have five opportunities in flight and you can provide some air cover to those opportunities that are in flight and maybe, maybe increase your win rate on, on, on those five. There, that, that's both the best early ROI What's chance it? you have. Yeah, that's a great win, but it should be noted, you're probably going to spend about a hundred bucks on media. I mean, it's not yeah. going to be a lot for five opportunities. Well, and, and, it's right? in, and it's interesting too, because a lot of the platforms tout the fact that they're, you know, being able to buy much more targeted media means you spend less. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's a benefit that's sold. But it's not necessarily the uh, the experience when onboarding. Or, or I guess we should be saying people uh, be eyes wide open to if you want to get the maximum benefit out of that, then don't uh, take the spray and pray approach early on just because you want to get use out of a tool. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that your spend becomes more efficient the closer to a close one deal you get. Um, another place where people get a little bit it gets a little bit tricky is um, the amount of time you have to spend on an account, right? People are, are very used to things like paid search where it's, it's fairly bottom of funnel, uh, at least compared to, to a really full ABM campaign. And that's, you know, you're paying for a single click. You, you might be paying quite a bit for that single click, but 
you're paying for it and then and then you're going to get a conversion out of that if everything is done correctly and the stars align. With a with a full ABM campaign, you might be spending less overall, but per account, you're going to be spending proportionally quite a bit on that account. So you want to take them from this point where they're not even aware of you and getting in front of them at that time and using intent and behavior to inform how you're talking to them and, and nurture them all the way down through that very long, complex buying cycle. That's a lot longer than most um, B2B marketers are used to even seeing an account. So it's definitely a lot longer than they're used to spending on an account. So even though a single campaign might be cheaper for you, you're going to be investing more per account over time than you would with a lot of other tactics. But for that money, you're buying the opportunity to shape their buying journey in a way that you you just can't with any other type of platform where you spend money to get in front of them. Mm -hmm. I think it's an important point that they're... Um... They're seeing a, a B2B marketers that are starting down the road of ABM are starting down a road that's going to illuminate parts of the buying journey they haven't seen before. Mm. And they're influencing parts that they haven't been able to influence before. And therefore, they ought to be ready to learn some stuff they haven't learned before. <laughs> that is one of the number one struggles I see um, in, in a typical organization's first year running an ABM program. They're very used to leads when they do put their hands up for the first time being ready to talk to sales because that's when the typical buyer does put their hand up. People aren't converting on your website when they're in the research mode. They they would really rather not do that. They want to do that on on third party sites or they want to do it anonymously. Uh, and that's kind of the, the, the situation that made these tools so valuable. So the the metaphor I've used before that I think some people kind of got is that, um, you know, if, if you're standing behind the door uh, and all of your prospects are on the other side of the door outside, you used to just have the people, right? And you could only see them when they were really close. Now you've got a big, beautiful bay window. You can see them from far away, but you are not going to make them come through the door any faster. Um, you, you can get in front of people a lot earlier, but the idea that getting in front of them earlier equals driving a decision earlier is, is a very bad idea that's going to sabotage your, uh, your strategy. Ah, interesting. So you're suggesting that you can't use ABM to accelerate pipeline? You can't make a deal move faster? No, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that you can't necessarily speed up where everyone in a buying committee is like emotionally, right? You still need to to be talking to them in a way that matches where they are in their in their buying journey. So I think that you can certainly see some improvements in terms of, you know, how quickly people are moving along. If you're able to get the right message in front of them at the right time, that can make their job a lot easier. It can make the the process of making the decision easier. You might have uh, some influence that way. And you might see that, you know, once you've got an opportunity, you can now close it 30% faster. That's great. That's that's uh, something that you can have really direct influence on. But you can't make someone go from I'm aware of this problem and now I've got to round up all these other stakeholders and figure out what to do about it to I'm going to buy this solution. Um, you can't make that happen in a day or a week. So people will start, you know, launching these these awareness campaigns and and really kind of treating it like a consumer sale. It's it's like they forget what industry they're in really quickly um, because they're just not ah. used to seeing people until they're at that decision stage. So they think. Oh, before when I saw a lead, 
it was because they were ready to talk to sales. You're seeing them a lot earlier and they're they're not ready yet. So you've got to keep that in mind. Well, this is why the strategy matters so much. Yeah. And and the ability to learn from what you see as you go through the usage of this tool and start to see things, you know, so you really do understand, you know, what is the messaging that resonates yeah. to somebody who's just discovered that they have this problem and need to find a solution as opposed to somebody who's already decided they, they, you know, they, they know what the solution is. Now they just need to pick which vendor. Mm. Yeah. It is, it is dangerous to give marketers the opportunity to get in front of decision makers when they are still just trying to figure everything out. Because the instinct is to say, we have the best thing and you should look at it right over here. Just because we can get in front of them earlier doesn't mean that we can, you know, get in front of them with decision content earlier. I really like the uh, the peephole uh, bay window analogy. Yeah, that one's, uh, I hadn't heard it. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, She's like saving all the good stuff. I hadn't heard that. I haven't thought of podcast more often, Floyd. I mean, if, if people find out what's being talked about around here, <laughs> I haven't thought I of a, a good animorphs metaphor yet for ABM, but I, I will think of one, and I'm sure it will be great <laughs> when I land on I, it. I assure you, I won't understand it at all. I like the bay window <laughs> thing, though. <laughs> but, but bay windows, the bay I windows, get. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's well, uh, I think this has been um, uh, uh, jam packed frankly, episode of lots of information, lots of kind of useful detail. I'm wondering if we can uh, find a way to, um, you know, kind of summarize it and put Floyd on the spot with like like Floyd's uh, three, three hot tips for ABM success in year one, a go-go. Uh, what do you think, Floyd? Three hot tips. Well, uh, I think first of all, you are going to need a best friend on the sales team. That's number one. You don't have to get the whole sales team to buy into this approach. It would be awesome if you could, but you're going to need one champion who is willing to talk to you about absolutely everything that happens in every sales process until you're both extremely tired of talking about it and then do it for another three or four hours. Uh, that That's, I think, really key to figuring out kind of where your strategy needs to go. Where can you improve? Where can you make things happen? Uh, the next is figuring out where are we going to start? Um, based on where we want to go, which segment of accounts that we have on our radar are we going to start with? What's realistic? What can we roll out? And and where are we going to be able to see the impact of that? And then I think the third uh, <laughs> most important thing is not losing sight of the first two things. As soon as you get this, this really flashy platform with with a lot of bells and whistles, or you you know you start making investments in, in ABM technology, uh, don't get distracted by all of that. It's really cool stuff, and it's going to enable you to do a lot of cool things down the road. But if you kind of forget about you know that that long term strategy and that first really focused effort that you're going to make, and you start thinking, well, you know, we've got this webinar in a couple of weeks, and it won't take long just to spin up something real quick and get that in front of people, and we can use personalization. They'll see their company name; it'll be crazy. Uh, you'll quickly find out that that will take all of your time. And then, you know, everyone running the other three webinars that month is going to wonder why you haven't done it for them. And now all of a sudden you've had this platform for eight months and you haven't put out uh, a really focused campaign. So make a sales friend, make a plan, stay focused. Don't lose sight of uh, where you want to be in five years. I love it. I love it. It's a great way to end. Thanks yeah. so much, Floyd. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with the audience today. It's just, uh, it's been fantastic. 
Thanks for having me on. Maybe next time we can choose a more Animorphs adjacent topic. There, you'll have to suggest it though. I'll start thinking. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.